Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Before we get started with another great edition of the Duke's Rosslyn podcast, I do want to let you know, Zencaster.com. That's right, Zencaster.com. They are, without a doubt, my favorite website to head over to for all of these great conversations that you hear on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. Superior quality in sound. Also, they have a great uh, video option as well if you need to record your videos. But the best part about it is the files are all split separately into MP3s. So you can edit them separately, you can put them together, do whatever you got to do. The main idea is Zencaster, Zencaster.com, that's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R, for all of your podcasting, video conferencing, even if you just want to uh, have a great conversation with your loved ones. All your needs there online for communication, Zencaster has you covered. That's right. Locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hello, my name is Captain Jack Claffey. I am currently employed by BKFC, that is Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships. I am a Bare Knuckle Boxer slash Pugilist slash Dandy Pirate slash General British Person. Bare Knuckle Boxing obviously has a very rich history, both in the UK and America. It's hundreds of years old and it's recently become one of the most uh, fastest growing combat sports in the world and Whilst my personal history might not have been tied too much to it, combat sports has definitely been something in my past. So I'm looking forward to getting back into competitive combat bouts, as it were. This is really interesting. And, and I'm, I'm glad that you're here on Duke Loves Wrestling because I, I'm curious about something. We know that, you know, the pro wrestling thing it ended in kind of an abrupt manner. And we got a new chapter now with this bare knuckle. And what I've noticed is that people are kind of split into two camps. You have the, the Captain Jack fans who are just excited to see you and to see what you're going to do and to be able to, to watch you continue to, to perform because, you know, they're conditioned for that and they've always enjoyed you. And then you have the naysayers. You have people who legitimately are going to be tuning in to watch you get punched in the face. That's what they want to see. How does it feel to have those types of extremes and does it motivate you in any way? Uh, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because, you know, people can derive motivation from all sorts of different places. And I think as long as you know why you're doing something and why you're motivating yourself moving forward, that's going to help you. So I do appreciate the people that have kind of stuck with me and want to see me do well sending messages and, you know, just general support. You know, I, I understand that those people are the people that I need to actually pay attention to. Those are the people that have a certain fondness for me. Anyone that holds negative thoughts to me, you know, anyone that if your only dream is trying to stop mine, then you're not someone I have to deal with. However, um, I will kind of, you know, have my cake and eat it too. If you do want to see me get punched in the face, if you do want to see me get a bit 
cut up and bloodied and beaten and battered, you're in for a good time because BKFC are going to allow that to happen. I'm going to be in a, you know, a bare-knuckle contest. It's going to be a brutal sort of affair. I kind of know that already going into it, and it's going to excite me. But the thing that motivates me is this is something I want to do. I found I was very unmotivated, particularly towards the last few years of my professional wrestling career, because I just found it wasn't, or at least the situation that I was in, I didn't want to be there. And right now I want to be in BKFC. I want to be in the gym, doing the boring repetitions, doing the road work in the morning, sticking to a diet. Like the actual stringent training is motivation enough for me because it's it's letting me live in a way that I find enjoyable, if that makes sense. Even though it is difficult, there's there's going to be different hardships associated with that. The thing that's motivating me is just doing the thing unto itself. I'm happy that people are going to come along with me. And in a little bit of a way, I'm happy there are going to be the people who will pay to see me get my face punched in. I'm not here for apathy. You know, Jack, I, I wonder, one thing about you is that you're a pretty snazzy dresser. I mean, listen, bro, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy, you know, I'm the Duke. So I, I love to dress sharp. You know, I love to make sure that all the way down to my socks, my tie, the shirt, everything's got to match, be color coordinated, perfectly pressed the whole nine yards. And you definitely are a guy who can who can dress to the nines. But then you have these tattoos and you have these videos where you're training and somebody's literally punching you in the stomach just to toughen up your your solar plexus, so to speak, to get ready to feel, you know, bare knuckles punching you in the stomach during during an actual contest and what have you here. So you have this totally other side that you're revealing to the world. And it's this guy who, in my opinion, is some kind of ass kicking machine. Who is the real Jack Claffey? Are, are you the, the Mr. Sharp, the prim and proper guy? Or are you the guy that's walking around, like you said, with the face cut up, with your knuckles beat up? ready for the next fight? I think it's a bit of both, isn't it? I don't think anyone's mutually exclusively just one thing. You know, I, people get known for a thing. You know, you have that friend who's the person, you know, he's the video gamer. This guy always plays all the video games. He knows all about the video games. This person knows all about music. That's the person you ask, hey, is this album any good? Um, and I am a bit of a snappy dresser. I'm pretty good with color coordinations and patterns and stuff like that. But it was um, it was something that I did, I, you know, not to always bring it back to pro wrestling, but the reason the, the tattoos kind of became a thing was that I felt that there was another side of myself that I wasn't necessarily showing. I thought that I could kind of integrate it into what I was already doing and, you know, be a bit more of a fleshed out person, at least in my public life, you know, because anyone that knew me, like really, really knew me, understood that I enjoyed dressing well but the minute I turned up with all those tattoos because I kept it very secret from a lot of people when I suddenly appeared and I was very fully tatted up and everything everyone went oh yeah that makes sense he was going to get them eventually this is just kind of the thing he was always going to do so to me it's a little bit um not to be it's hard for me to get through an interview without saying not to be pretentious but not to be pretentious there's um you know a psychoanalyst called Carl Jung uh, who talks about like the shadow self and the ideas of different personas and how people can have multiple identifiers to themselves, depending on, you know, like situation time. And I kind of think of it like that. It's sort of like, um, you know, a mask. Everyone's got multiple different masks that they're slipping on and off. And sometimes um, the dandy fop who has the nice, you know, 
Duke uh, kind of check things. And then sometimes I'm the person who has their eyebrows cut open and their knuckles all bruised up, who's covered in tattoos and is looking a bit grim, who's looking a, a little bit dour, shall, shall we say. But it's all part of a, a complete package. I'd say they're both me, but they're both aspects of me. You know, there's a whole other aspect of me who's very much into reading. And I you know, talk to you about classic or medieval literature or art. And then there's another part of me that's very into 1970s punk music and new wave. Like you just have these different personas and part of you. And I'm kind of selectively picking parts to show people. Hey, I don't want to show people everything. You, know, you got to be my friends. for that. You know, it's funny that you say that I, I could totally picture you as a, as a 1970s, early eighties punk music guy. In fact, uh, even even the the blend of punk and, and reggae, especially in those earlier years, which eventually bled over into ska, is that your music? Is that the stuff that you really enjoy uh, listening to when you want to get pumped up? So, yeah, I've been listening to a little bit of the, you know, you're talking about like punk and reggae. I have been listening to a little bit more of like the Slits recently. I think they're probably the most prominent band that has like a reggae influence for me. But um, in terms of New Wave, honestly, I've, been listening to a lot of blondie in the gym there's something about uh, blondie music that uh, maybe it's the rhythm and you know it's still quite quick but it's got that disco-y feel uh, blondie and joy division so those two those two have kind of been on repeat in my playlist and Susie sue and the banshees are kind of sneaking their way onto that list as well that um album juju has been on repeat a lot a lot recently so that's kind of it's a little more i think i think joy division was a bit more influenced by uh german music around the time but obviously like blondie's got like the disco vibe and you've got the kind of gothic vibe with Susie sue so it's a little it's a tiny bit all over the place i'd say you know but what's funny is that is that not you this guy who could go one way or go the other way but it's, it's all encompassing that 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 is so uh interesting that you say blondie because that's yeah that's jack that's jack 100 <laughs> percent yeah jack i'm a, I'm a big mma fan uh, I go all the way back to the beginning, you know, the early UFC, even before that ESPN in their early years, they would always show karate fights and, and things like that. And then it was cheap to air. So even before the quote unquote tough man competitions, you had pit fighting and things like that. Uh, when, when the Street Fighter video games came out, it seemed like everybody was trying to do their own real version of that, which is really interesting. Pro wrestlers have an interesting history in combat sports and it's either hit or miss i mean you get you got guys like ken shamrock and dan the beast severin you know who have been pretty successful they're hall of famers you have guys in, in later years like brock lesnar who certainly he became a world champion in mixed martial arts but he also took his losses and then you have guys like cm punk who just got completely exposed for not being on the level of you know, the mixed martial artists that are out there in modern times here. You have an MMA background, so it's not like this is anything new to you. Although with Bare Knuckle, I know that this is its own separate world here. Are you prepared, Jack? Are you prepared to really start taking these hits and really be in a situation in which another man is, is trying to knock you out flat out, man? And you're going to have to dig deep in order not only to survive that, but impose your will on him. Are you prepared for this? I'd like to say like 100% I'm prepared, but until I get in there, I couldn't definitively say yes, I'm, I'm absolutely ready. I'm sure that, you know, all those names you mentioned, I'm sure absolutely before every single one of their fights, they thought, you know, I'm ready for this. You know, if they, if they didn't think they were ready, they probably shouldn't have been there, you know. 
And, you know, that goes to the people who were successful and people who were unsuccessful. But I think I'm ready. I'm doing all the training that I can. I'm training with professional boxers. I'm training with MMA fighters. I'm trying to get ready with the best abilities that I can. You know, I'm putting in all the work. So I am looking forward to it. There's a, there's a little bit of me that wants the first fight to be, you know, I get knocked down, then he gets knocked down, and it becomes, you know, a, like a Hagler-Hearns kind of exchange. But I'd rather go in there and just mow the guy down as well. You know, I'd rather get in and get out and be absolutely happy with it. So I, I'm going to say that I'm doing my absolute best. There is no cutting corners in terms of diet, in terms of training, in terms of just strategic and mental preparation. I'm doing absolute best I can. But until I'm in there and I can kind of test all the training, test all the drills, test the sparring rounds, you know, if I can't transfer what I'm doing over in the gym, into the ring then we need to figure that out because if i fight how i am in the gym in the ring i'm gonna have a good night well you definitely have a motor on you so i know that that's something that is going to be to your advantage you know most bare knuckle fighters are not built to last because they focus on being knockout artists but if there's one thing about captain jack claffy here you have a motor on you so you know hopefully that that works to your advantage you're able to use your speed and quickness and your endurance to to hang in there and, and keep this thing going again and impose your will here. Maybe this is going to be like a, if in, in a perfect scenario, it'll be like a Rocky, a bare knuckle Rocky situation here, but more uh, like the song street fighter man by the Rolling Stones. What do you think about that? Oh, I, I mean, you, you touched my heart with the, with the Rolling Stones at the end there. I'd love, I'd love for it to be a Rocky move. I'd love for this to be a huge inspiration, but I also have to remember this is, this is fight one on a three fight contract right now. We're we're only kind of starting right now. I know Rocky Rocky doesn't start with his first ever fight against you know an Apollo Creed, but that is definitely uh, something we'd like to build to. You know, you want to you want to take people to those sort of back and forth sort of emotional fights, don't you? You want the fights to be entertaining and captivating because really sports, like particularly combat sports, you know. It's a very obvious metaphor for life, for struggles, for perseverance and whatnot. So hopefully I can bring a little bit of that. Hopefully I can bring maybe a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of positivity through violence, which is kind of a, sounds oxym oxymoronic, but I think people understand if they enjoy the sports, what they're getting out of it. So, yeah, I'm going to say I'm a little more rocky than street fighting, man, only because I'm not I'm not as fantastic as a dancer as Mick Jagger. <laughs> Who is? <laughs> <laughs> You'll see me wagging the finger in the cage in the in the ring. It's just going to look terrible. No, the only the only rhythm I've got is with my hands. It's not it's not the same with my hips. Oh, man, I, I could only imagine. I could only imagine. Now, now, talk to me about the diet, because I know I'm catching you after you just had your meal for the evening. So mm -hmm. you're a guy that has kept yourself in tremendous shape. I mean, throughout your career, whether it be pro wrestling, whether it be mixed martial arts, now bare knuckle in particular, um, what's the diet like? What are you, what are you eating and, and how are you keeping yourself in tip top shape the way that you are? It's honestly not too different from uh, professional wrestling in terms of dieting. I just have to cut a lot of the calories down with wrestling uh, particularly in WWE, I had a had this a little bit. Um, I lived out in Japan for ten months uh, at one point as well, living in Tokyo, working for Zero One, and I think those were the only times where I actually felt pressure to be bigger physically. 
you know, there's only so tall I can ever get, but there was always this little bit of pressure of like, well, if you were a little more muscular, then maybe your, you know, your career might be a little bit better. So outside of, I never really enjoyed eating a lot of calories. I'm not a huge feeder. Like I enjoy my cake. I enjoy biscuits with my coffee. That's about it. But I've never been a huge feeder. So the, the, ne- the necessity to constantly be eating, you know, constantly being a calorie surplus, lifting heavy. It was fun. I've done my share of powerlifting, but now I get to kind of maintain weight because I'm, I'm at a good weight. I'm aiming to fight at about 145 pounds and I'm maintaining a pretty good weight right now. And it'll be very easy for me to make a cut down to 145 and, you know, replenish myself the next day. So right now it's high protein. We're trying to make sure the calories are somewhat controlled, but we're not putting too big of a damper on them at the beginning of the camp. And I imagine the last few weeks kind of leading up to it, will slowly taper the calories down, particularly like the carbs kind of going down towards that last two or three weeks. But I shed weight really, really easy. All right, Jack, we got to talk about this because, you know, you're a UK guy. I'm an American guy. And we use certain words to describe totally different things. So you oh, just yeah. said you just said biscuits. OK, and oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know you go. I lived I lived in Florida, so I know what biscuits are to you. Yeah, exactly. So so biscuits to us, you know, it's usually like some kind of cornmeal, thick bread, something that it definitely sits heavy in your stomach. But that's not what you're talking about. You're not eating one of those with your coffee, right? Or no, your tea, I'm talking cookies. I'm talking yes. cookies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so when it comes to the biscuits, what's your favorite biscuit? Because I've just recently started getting into this stuff uh, in earnest here. I, I, you know, like the digestives and, and, and things of that nature. I started really getting into the biscuits. So what's your favorite biscuit? The Captain Jack biscuit. If he has to pick one to start his morning, where is he going? Oh, if I have to pick a single biscuit, I'm going to go with the Noble Bourbon biscuit. I'd say a Bourbon biscuit goes with a cup of tea. It goes with a coffee. Reminds you of childhood. It's a wonderful biscuit, the bourbon biscuit. Wow. Wow. Now is this is this light or is this something that's a little heavy? It's a it's a tiny bit heavier. It's like a it's like two chocolate wafers with a little bit of it's not cream. You know how like Oreos is said to sure. be like cookies and cream, but it's not really cream. It's like sure. a chocolate cream down down some chocolate biscuits, but it's quite nice. You can have a couple of them and feel like you've had you've had a good fill for the day. It's a very I don't I don't know if it uh I don't even know if they have them down south. I don't know if it's like a northern thing, like a very northern English thing, but bourbon biscuits. So it's chocolate upon chocolate upon chocolate. Just what you want. <laughs> a, a guy that looks like you is eating chocolate biscuits. I don't understand it. That is amazing. Uh, okay. I will tell you now, there's um, there's a professional wrestler by the name of Tony Neese. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Tony you're talking about is Tony with, with the abs. Of course we don't. Tony, Tony abs. Neese. <laughs> of course, Mister. He's in such good shape. He just had to count his abs as part of his whole routine, and people would count along with him. Tony Nice eats terribly. He eats ice cream every night, like literal pints of ice cream. He'll share half a bottle of wine with his wife, and he just wakes up in the morning looking like an Adonis. He is the worst person. This guy. Is he you now he's got to have a metabolism like never before. He must burn everything just by even moving. Right. I mean, come on. Who, who right. do that? I, he was he was gifted with amazing. He's one of those people that insist genetics aren't a thing. And I'm like, look at you. Come on, let's behave. Here. You're, <laughs> you're a thoroughbred horse. At best, I'm a house cat. Nice. Nice. So that so to look the way that you do, you really have to work at it. huh? 
I do indeed. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm a I'm not someone who naturally like packs on lots and lots of muscle. So I'm I am more built for endurance. I would say that's one of the things. You know, you kind of alluded to it before. Like cardio has always been king for me. Uh, endurance has always kind of been a thing. So it was another one of those like when I had to put on size, it was a little bit counter to what my actual natural abilities are. My natural abilities are just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. I, I'm I'm good at setting a pace and just maintaining it. Well, that's the thing about you in wrestling. I noticed that although what you were executing made sense, it wasn't like it was what I like to call flippy dippy peanut butter skippy, you know, just doing a bunch of moves just for the sake of doing a bunch of moves. It was never that. You, you, your, your matches always were, were put together in a manner where when you did something, it, it made sense. It should have been at that moment, what have you. But you're right. You're pacing. It's just tremendous. And you you wouldn't slow down. So that's what when I talk about your endurance, that's what I'm making reference to there for a guy to be able to run around the ring for 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time. I mean, how the heck do you do that? You know, it, it, the average person, if they tried to run the ropes, even for 10 seconds, they'd be winded. You're able to keep it going. And, and hell, at one point, you're, you're keeping it going while you're holding an umbrella. Who can do that? <laughs> oh yes the props i'm very good with props you'd be yeah. surprised <laughs> are we are we going to get props in uh in bare knuckle are we, are we going to see anything like that um well you know i can't exactly load any gloves because they don't give me any gloves to load um and i can't you know kick him in the head with a solid gold boot so if i'm going to do anything and i've been thinking of something maybe if i'm going to do anything it will be during the walkout i think the walkout is my opportunity to be a bit theatrical, bring a bit of that pro wrestling into BKFC. That's pretty cool. Now, listen, I, I've done my research, Jack, and I'm hearing that we are going to see you in the ring. This is a strong possibility here. We're going to see you in the ring uh, in the not too distant future. You know, we may see some some type of mid to late spring or early summer. Are you are you training with that in mind? Are you targeting that time period at this point? Absolutely. Yeah, we've come to a verbal agreement in terms of weight class and time and uh, opponent as well actually we're just waiting to get everything signed sealed so that we can get everything officially announced but as far as i'm concerned i'm in fight camp right now this is cool this is cool he's in fight camp right now but he's still having his biscuits folks keep that in mind i'm telling you are you they'll, get, on- they'll get whittled out at the end of the camp i'm sure <laughs> they'll, take, they'll take away me chocolate well wait a second uh, don't forget you know a guy like the rock he has to eat entire pizzas, like literally two or three pizzas at a time just to maintain his look. So just keep that in mind, Jack. You know, I, I don't know, man, that you might have to do the same thing here. I have a talk to my coaches about this, this pizza diet of which you speak. <laughs> I, think they, I think they might be able to come around on it. Yeah, right. Or print just, just... some pictures off of Dwayne and be like, guys, come on, look, it's working for him. Well, what you got to do is you got to Photoshop your face on his body and say, there it is. This is this is me. Okay, this is where we're aiming here. So come on, boys. Here we go. You know, hang hang that up in my bedroom and be like one of these days, one of these days. Nice, nice. Now, now, Captain Jack, what what is it about you in the water? Are you are you somebody that's been spending a lot of time on the water these days? Yeah, myself and the wife, uh, the lovely Commodore, uh, Clara Sinclair. We've been uh, on a barge, actually. We're in a, a narrow boat right now with ourselves and the dogs and we've been cruising around the canals and rivers of uh, England we've um we've talked about maybe in a few years when we've sort of settled back down into the house and stuff like that 
that um, maybe we'll make an investment and get an actual catamarang or, or another yacht or an actual yacht and attempt to sail around the world. But right now we're, we're calling ourselves river folk. We're kind of canal pirates. That's wild, man. That's why, you know, just even thinking about that, you reminded me of uh, Rod Stewart and, and some of his music where he would, he would sing about sailing and what have you there. Do you, mm-hmm. do you feel that type of spirit when you're out there on the water? Is, is there some kind of spiritual connection that you have out there? And, and that's why you're doing this? You know, we were kind of talking about this the other day about when we're, when we're not going to be traveling around as much where we would like to live and doing the, the cruising around has, has made us see a lot of the British countryside. And honestly, like a lot of the surrounding parts of the river and the canal system are really beautiful. So we probably won't venture that far from water. I think at this point, like we like being near somewhere, so it might be somewhere on the coast or, you know, we might just make sure we're near a river. There is a certain amount of, I don't know, natural connection to being a place it's very quiet it's very different you know in the mornings i i don't hear anything there's no cars going past the window at most i hear like a horse running in the field or something like that and it's quite relaxing it's lovely for the dogs i will say it's a little bit of a cheat sheet if you've got some dogs and you can get to some countryside you you know you can just let them loose but um it does it does make me think of things like you know you know like you know moby dick with you know in the opening chapters the Ishmael is talking about how whenever he's feeling long in the mouth or a grim mood is striking him, whenever he feels like life is overtaking him, he deliberately gets himself back on a ship again because that's the place where he finds peace. And I can kind of associate with that. The solitude of it is very, I don't know, relaxing isn't the right word. It's more of a Zen thing. That's pretty cool. Anyone listening right now, check out the the song, Rhythm of My Heart by Rod Stewart. It, it literally is a sailor song. And, and it's funny because I, I feel like just listening to you talk about living on the water and spending time, you know, going around and seeing the English countryside. I feel like that song is probably a, a, a good uh, description of what you're going through. And it's great that you have your wife and your dogs with you because you, you definitely are, are on an adventure, so to speak. Huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we try and treat everything as a little bit of an adventure. You know, what else is there to do with your time? That's right. That's right. Well, listen, Jack, I know that folks listening right now would love to keep up with you because definitely we're, we're waiting to find out the official announcement of when the first fight is going to happen. Uh, so why don't you let everybody know what's the best way that they can keep up with Captain Jack. The best way to keep up with Captain Jack is on Instagram. I am currently at Mr. Gentleman Jack. And I have a little project coming up. Myself and the wife are going to be launching what we call CPR, Canal Pirate Radio, where we'll probably be talking uh, about, you know, what's going on in our lives. So if there are any, are any other major announcements, we'll probably make them there as well. And Jack, before I let you go, I got one final question here because we, we just saw it uh, officially happen in the last couple of weeks. 205 Live has officially been retired by the WWE. And I know that that was a promotion that was near and dear to your heart. Do you, do you have any any words about 205 Live from a general standpoint? I mean, how does it feel to know that, that that's been retired? It was very strange the day I found out because just like everyone else, it was just publicly announced and it felt very sudden. I kind of feel good about it to an extent because now there's sort of a closure to it you know there was a beginning there was a middle of things happening and now there's officially an end and i think from what i saw they were sort of spinning their wheels and not really utilizing the show with 
kind of what it was originally intended to be anyway, which was, you know, going to be a, a highlight for specific sized wrestlers. It just seemed to be another show on WWE by the end of it. So I'm okay with it kind of coming to an end. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of me that says the only thing that will get me out of professional wrestling retirement is a 205 reunion, but I need to wait for a couple more of my friends to get released for that to happen. So we'll put a, put a stopper in that and see where we are in three or five years. Well, Captain Jack, I can't wait to see you in Bare Knuckle FC, and we'll be looking for that uh, that Mick Jagger point from you, all right? <laughs> I'll do it for you, mate. I absolutely promise. Bare Knuckle fighting is very interesting because you're trying to beat the hell out of your opponent, right? I mean, that's, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to knock him out. You're trying to beat him down to the point where he can't respond anymore. He's trying to do the same thing to you. It is a fast sport you know the matches don't tend to last as long as your average mma fight or, or even a boxing match uh bare knuckle is is pretty it's pretty intense so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with captain jack claffey because here's a guy who was successful in pro wrestling you know simulating fighting and yes he had some mma matches and he was successful but this is a whole other beast here. You know, this is bare knuckle. So I can't wait to see what happens. And and we're going to find out what this guy is really made of. Is he dedicating himself to the sport? Is he taking it seriously like he did pro wrestling? Is he going to show up respecting the sport and leaving it all out there? Or is he going to be like some folks that we've seen and the not too distant past, who, you know, they showed up in a in a combat sport and completely embarrassed themselves, you know, and, and then ran away when they lost two fights. I'm talking about CM Punk. <laughs> CM Punk is interesting because unlike people like Dan Severin or Ken Shamrock or or uh even Brock Lesnar, you know, he didn't stick around when the going got tough. He got the hell out of there. The guy was not built. It was not dedicated to pursue this dream beyond the initial money grab. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but you will be exposed by people who do take it seriously. So you better make sure that you're showing up with your best foot forward. So in, in the case of Captain Jack Claffey, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. But I'm very intrigued by this. And the best part about something like Bare Knuckle, you don't have to be a fan of this guy in order to tune in. In fact, if you don't like him, then you more than anyone should be tuning in to see him get punched in the face. It sounds crazy, but yeah, I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> you know, that's what it is. And, and everyone wins in that situation as far as I'm concerned. I tell people all the time, listen, your supporters are fantastic, and Jack said it too. Your supporters definitely are people that you need to pay attention to and, and make sure they know that you appreciate their support. But I got another caveat to that. Your detractors are your biggest fans. Your detractors wake up every day hoping and praying and wishing and sometimes maneuvering to try to make it possible for you to experience demise. So... You know, shout out to the detractors because 
a sport like bare knuckle was really made for them. You literally can turn on your pay-per-view or show up at the event, buy your ticket and watch the person that you have so much personal animosity toward. You can watch them involved in hand-to-hand combat and let's see what happens. But when loser draw, very few people walk out of a bare knuckle fight uh, unscathed, you know, even the winners, they got they got shiners and beat up faces and what have you. It's just the nature of the sport. It's it's brutal, but it's also uh, poetic in a lot of ways. It's beautiful. So, again, looking forward to this. I know that these folks, they're, they're shooting for hopefully as early as April, you know, sometime mid to late April. They're hoping to, to put on the first match for Captain Jack Claffey. Uh, but it could be as late as, as, you know, sometime in the summertime. So let's see. I guess it all depends on how quickly they can get a fight, a, an opponent put together, sign the contracts and what have you. But this man, you know, he signed a three-fight deal. This isn't a one-off. So looking forward to seeing what happens there. That's right. And, hey, welcome back. Welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling, the show about pro wrestling, combat sports, and everything else. You know, I, I'll tell you, we got an interesting episode here. You just heard from uh, Captain Jack. And a little later, we have a guy by the name of the Midnight Special. Someone who's been training at the Dog Pound Dojo with Jazz and Rodney Mack. Really, really good guy. But he's been in the industry for, you know, over a decade now. And he's starting to experience some, some great success. So he has an interesting story to tell. Can't wait for you to hear that. But before I get into any of that, listen, the wrestling world is going crazy right now. Okay. On one hand, you know, we're only a couple of weeks away from WrestleMania, and there's some strong speculation that Vince McMahon, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, is going to have a match at WrestleMania of some sort, of some sort. I don't think this guy's really going to wrestle a full wrestling match like he has in the past, but, you know, there's speculation that he's going to get involved physically. It looks like we're, we're moving in that direction. And, you know, I don't normally report on rumors on here. This isn't that kind of show, but based on what we saw on Monday Night Raw, it looks like they're planting the seeds for this to happen. So I feel comfortable talking about this. So that's going to get interesting. That's going to get really, really interesting if Vince uh, steps in the ring and, and gets into some kind of physical action, especially if his opponent is connected to Pat McAfee or, or McAfee himself. You know, because McAfee has definitely impressed when we've seen him wrestle in the ring, but he's not a wrestler. Let's be honest here. So that's a leap of faith for a guy in advanced age like Vince to step in the ring with a guy like McAfee. You know, (laughs) that's a lot of trust if that ends up happening. So we'll see. And I know definitely next week I'll be able to deliver more information on that. I know as I record this, uh, McAfee's scheduled to interview Vince and that's supposed to be the next step in introducing the fact that these guys are going to be on a collision course against each other at WrestleMania so we'll see we'll see but that is just bizarre if it happens you know who who could have predicted that <laughs> to start the new year off that that by the time we get to WrestleMania Vince McMahon would be wrestling again wow that's wild but you know there's another piece of news out there that was officially announced uh, Tony Khan, you know, he, he said he had a big announcement to uh, 
inflict upon the world and he was going to do it on dynamite and certainly he opened the show with it tony khan himself and just himself he he has a company that he solely owns and operates and through this company tony khan has purchased ring of honor that is incredible right now before we get too far down the road here what is ring of honor in 2022 because it's not what it has been. It's a tape library. It's three letters, you know, a brand. <laughs> and maybe it's some production equipment. But that's really it. Ring of Honor, they, you know, they allowed their contracted wrestlers, they let them out of their contracts. And whatever deal that still exists between any wrestler and Ring of Honor, they probably have some kind of deal with their the folks who are their champions still. Um, but I can't imagine that that's an exclusive deal. Those folks are allowed to go wrestle wherever they want to wrestle. It's just that if they're going to defend the championships that are Ring of Honor owned, there probably has to be some type of business that involves Ring of Honor as a brand, at least up to this point. But now Tony Khan owns it. That is incredible. And... You know, it was pushed as being like the biggest news ever or what have you. And I don't think it's so much that, but I do have some thoughts on it. Tony Khan was a big fan of Ring of Honor. He was a big fan, just like the rest of us. I mean, hey, I was at the first show. I was a big fan. Um, but it's interesting because Tony, he I don't know if he tried to purchase Ring of Honor previously. Clearly, if he did, it didn't work. So instead, he did what he had to do to essentially take some of the the more popular elements at the time within Ring of Honor, who had amassed a lot of influence and, dare I say, power within that company, and lured them away to create his own brand, All Elite Wrestling. And that killed Ring of Honor, because those in charge, they had put so much uh, emphasis in feeling and thought into promoting these folks, the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, you know, Adam Page. They had put so much emphasis and thought into promoting those folks that when in all in one swoop, they just weren't there anymore. That hurt the company. And I think that that made the owners of the company feel like, okay, this is this is just not going to work. <laughs> This is not worth the ha- the hassle, not worth the headache anymore. And the people who were still running the company, you know, they pulled an interesting move where they tried to have Marty Skrull be the guy who was going to essentially have the keys to the castle in Ring of Honor. They, they signed him to a big contract and gave him a lot of power and influence and what have you to be the lead booker and all this other foolishness. Uh, and I call it foolishness because I don't think that an active wrestler should ever have that type of influence and power over any promotion. I think it's silly, and I don't. And it does not work. So let me make that clear. Um, but they did that, and then you know Marty Scroll found himself in a lot of hot water, a lot of trouble, and that had to go away. So after that, there was just no more appetite to continue on with that company, to the point that it was announced last year that Ring of Honor was going to release all of their talent from their contracts. And effectively, they were no longer going to operate in the way that we had known them to operate. 
Instead, they were going to put on special events here and there. But outside of that, they weren't going to have a big roster and, you know, you weren't going to see them on TV every week with new content or anything like that. That's what happened. Tony Khan is responsible for driving that company to that place, in my opinion. He, he effectively helped kill Ring of Honor, in my opinion. So it's ironic that here he is now to pick the bones and, you know, there's speculation out there that he paid somewhere around $40 million for whatever Ring of Honor is today, which might be a little <laughs> on the steep end, by the way, but that's what he did. So it's just interesting. It's interesting that this guy who claims he was going to offer an alternative to the WWE and their whole way of doing business, he he's clearly doing his, his best version of Vince McMahon, right? He's killing promotions, picking the bones, right? And it's funny because Tony went out of his way, even in his press release, to point out that he is going to be the owner of Ring of Honor. He alone and the company that he runs. And a lot of folks, you know, that I think they missed the point of that. Tony Khan is not the owner of All Elite Wrestling. He's not the majority owner. He's not the major uh, holder of power in that company. He's the president of the company. And I believe he has invested some of his own personal money into that company. But no. All Elite Wrestling is owned by his father, Shad Khan. That's his company. So, technically speaking, Ring of Honor is the first pro wrestling company that Tony Khan has ever owned, personally. Good for you. So it's it's really interesting. And I know a lot of folks speculating, well, maybe they're going to turn it into a developmental territory and they're going to do that. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> How many times in history have we seen that happen, right? You've seen it everywhere from when, when Crockett Promotions took over UWF and essentially what happened. They closed the UWF, man, and just absorbed them and just made one big company, Right. WWE, they took over ECW, took over WCW. For a while, they used them as separate brands, but in the end, it just didn't work out. They just absorbed everybody and just called it WWE. That's it. This type of stuff does not warrant separate brands. It does not happen that way. And for it to happen that way, that would require a tremendous amount of commitment to a vision. And I'm not so sure that Tony is the type of visionary to do something like that. And I don't think it even makes sense to do it, quite frankly. You don't need Ring of Honor as a brand outside of featuring them on a streaming platform where you're showing their their tape library. Outside of that, you don't need them as a brand. You don't need their title. You don't need anything about that. No, that's a, that's a dead brand. And the, the person holding the uh, bludgeoning weapon who, you know, did it is also the person who owns them now. Imagine that. Again, I'm just giving you my interpretation, my opinion. Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. But this is a, this is a take, right? But it's funny because something else interesting happened uh, on Twitter related to this. And <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Of course, I had to say something because why not? Maria Canellas Bennett. You know Maria. 
she took the time to tweet at Tony Khan. And I'm going to read this out here, actually. Check this out. Congratulations, Tony Khan. Let me know if you are interested in Ring of Honor women's division. They are incredibly talented, great humans, and deserve all the accolades in the world. R-O-H-W-D. That was the hashtag, which stands for Ring of Honor Women's Division. As opposed to Women of Honor, I guess. Sure. I thought that was really interesting. That was a really, really interesting thing for Maria to tweet out. And, and here's why. If anyone, including Tony Khan, is interested in any talent that had ever worked for Ring of Honor, that had ever been under contract, that had ever wrestled a match in that company, why wouldn't he just directly contact the talent? Why would he need to, or why would he at all even consider contacting Maria Canellis Bennett as it relates to getting in, you know, to communicating with anyone who is part of the ring of honor women's division. I don't understand it. Everybody has social media today. It's the wrestling industry. He pays a lot of people. It's not like he can't get in touch with just about any wrestler in the world at this point. It's pretty easy to do. I don't understand why Maria would be a person that would be involved in that in any way. Now, if Maria is is jockeying for a job because she wants to help be a woman behind the scenes who helps with the content and ensuring that it gets delivered in a more respectful and serious manner, then I understand that. But say that. Say you want to be hired as an executive behind the scenes to help with their overall women's division, and that includes bringing in women who are part of the Ring of Honor women's division. Say that. But this other nonsense that she's talking about here, and that's my interpretation of it, is nonsense. It got me wondering. And, you know, listen, I, I'm going to I'm gonna do my own Telly Savalas here. You know, for you young folks, look it up. I'm going to be Kojak for a second here, okay, because I already have the bald head. I already have the fedora. I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to pick up some lollipops. I'm going to go into, you know, my bathroom mirror, and I'm going to practice my, my single eye wink, you know, wink, 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 right? And I'm going to, you know, I got, the, I got the vocal cords. So I'm going to start walking around and saying, have it your way, baby. Not bad. Not bad. I'm going to be Kojak. I'm going to do some detective work here because I'm curious. Is it possible that Maria Canellis Bennett has some type of, I don't know, Vern Gagne style deal <laughs> where in order to do business with the women who are part of the Ring of Honor women's division, as she refers to it, Somehow, some way, she Maria Canellis Bennett has to get a piece of that action. Is that possible? Because the way she's talking, it almost seems like that's a possibility here. I don't know. Well, let me go a step further. Is it possible that Maria Canellis Bennett has some type of uh, fabulous moolah deal with the Ring of Honor women's division? Those who are part of that. No, Fabulous Mula used to have a, a group of women wrestlers that she would bring all over the world. And the deal was she would go to, directly to the promoters and say, I got my girls, they're going to put on their matches on your card. 
the promoters would pay Moolah directly, not the actual other wrestlers. They would just pay Moolah. And with the expectation that Moolah would then take that money and then pay the the wrestlers who were part of her stable, for lack of a better term. And see, Moolah wouldn't do that, though. She wouldn't just pay those ladies for their work. No. She created dormitory situations, so she was putting them up, you know, room and board, and she was responsible for whatever they got to eat and all this other stuff. All they had to do was wrestle. They, they did not get much of a piece of the action. She was controlling all of that. Right. Some people have referred to it as, as a, a madam situation, for lack of a better term. Right. Terrible stuff. And shame on any promoters, including Vince McMahon, senior and junior, who's still alive today and still operating WWE. Shame on you for contributing to that mess. Is Maria, is she running something? Listen, <laughs> I'm just asking questions here. Right. I'm not I'm not trying to make any claims. I'm just asking questions because I don't understand why you would you would put out something so ridiculous that the the promoter should get in touch with you about the Ring of Honor women's division. No, he should be speaking directly to the talent. What do we need a middle woman for in that situation? Unless unless. So. I'm going to do my code, Jack. I'm going to, I'm going to investigate this. I'm going to figure out what's really going on because I'm sure that uh, <laughs> most of my, my peers, you know, all the podcasters or all of you serious wrestling journalists out there who love to sign your NDA so you can party with Tony Khan and do all these things. You think you're friends with the wrestlers. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to pursue this. Of course not. Why would you? Why would you want to know what the heck this woman is even talking about here? Why would you want to know if there's any kind of carny, funny, phony, baloney, funny business going on here? All right. That would that would require you to actually give a damn about the wrestlers and give a damn about what's going on. And it's simple. If this was just her, you know, using a play on words and what have you, so be it. But it's worth asking the question. And listen, you know, Maria Canellas Bennett, she's no lightweight. Highly intelligent, highly educated, and she has some pretty you know, some pretty interesting friends there, right? Don't forget, we, we have it on great authority. We, we, we have full documentation. We have videos. We have episodes. We got the whole nine yards of Maria Canellas Bennett doing business with, uh, you know, Donald Trump. And I don't know if they're still friends or they still do business, but, you know, she at one time was mixed into that crowd. So I got to be careful what I say because, look, I don't want... You know, whether it's Rudy Giuliani or the Mooch <laughs> or, or Bannon with, with his uh, lovely skin. Um, I don't, I don't want to be on the wrong side of these folks because, you know, they got, they got friends in some pretty dangerous places. You know, some, some comrades in some pretty dangerous places. So I got to be careful. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want Vladdy and the crew to... You know, pay me a visit because, you know, if somebody gets on their bad side, they turn into a smurf, which we've we literally saw happen before. Very interesting. But, um, you know, I'm being tongue in cheek here, obviously. But but in all seriousness, though, it was a strange thing for Maria to tweet. And I am curious. And it's funny because, you know, me, I'm the Duke. 
So if I'm going to talk about you, I'm going to talk about you directly. I don't want there to be any confusion. I don't want anybody to think that I'm talking about them when I'm not. I want to make sure everybody understands what I'm talking about here. So I tagged Maria and I asked the questions, you know, is she is she doing a Vern Gagne or is she doing a Moolah? And she blocked me, <laughs> which is fine, but it does make me wonder even more now. Now it goes from being mostly a joke to being a serious question. Why would a promoter need to contact you in order to talk to these women? What is that all about? And it's not that she said that they needed to, but she definitely encouraged Tony to reach out to her if he's interested. Why would he do that? Huh? So stay tuned for that. I'm going to keep asking that question. And, you know, I get canceled every other day for everything else that I do. So I might as well, you know, just make sure that there's no funny business going on over there because that would be terrible. That's right. That's right. Okay. Now that I've, you know, pissed off most of the world, let me move on to something that will probably get you back into my your good graces here. <laughs> I got a guy who is just a fantastic human being and, you know, he's a very talented wrestler. He's getting some great training down in Texas with the Dog Pound Wrestling Academy. You know, Do- Dog Pound Wrestling Academy is interesting because it's owned and operated by Jazz and Rodney Mack, right? And Teddy Long, he's another person who is heavily involved in what goes on over there. James Beard, you know, he's a mentor that pops in and out, what have you. Uh, Just really solid foundation. And make no mistake about it, this is a promotion and a, a training academy that is run by a black woman and a black man. And I want to make that clear because the Dog Pound Wrestling Academy is a medium that's training the next generation of, of future stars. I spend a lot of time making this platform available to people who train there and wrestle for those folks. And obviously with Rodney and Jazz, of course, doors always open for them to be guests on the show, and they have been. It's been fantastic. There's a lot of folks out there who they miss that. You know, because they think that if you're not talking to who they think you should talk to, then, man, you're not doing anything and you're not you're not doing the work, man. And you're not supporting this. Listen, that is a training facility that is owned and operated by black folk, man and a woman, husband and wife, legends in this industry that don't get their just due. And I make Duke Loves Wrestling available for their team. Have their talent come on the show. And introduce themselves to the world. Okay. And I treat it very seriously. Because that's what we should be doing. If we have a place. If we have a platform. Then yes. We need to feature these young stars. Why not? Right. So just bear that in mind. When you see these things happening. Um, It's very deliberate. It's very deliberate. And I just. I got all the respect. and, And admiration. And appreciation in the world. For Jazz and Rodney. Keep doing what you're doing. Obviously Teddy. James, my man. So, you know, great folks. So without further ado, from the Dog Pound Wrestling Academy, the one, the only, the Midnight Special. What's up, everybody? It's everyone's favorite Dog Pound Championship Wrestling Superstar, and mine too, the best kept secret in all of professional wrestling, the Midnight Special. (laughs) 
Well, the midnight special, listen, it, it is so cool to have you here on Duke loves wrestling. And, and I got to tell you, one of the things that I like about you is that you're a guy originally from one of my favorite States in the entire world, a state that always has shown the Duke some love. I'm talking about Arkansas. So I got I to gotta tip my hat to you, brother. You, you're one of my, my Arkansas cousins there. What is it about Arkansas barbecue? Because I, I'm a food guy, and I swear the best barbecue I ever had in my life was out there in Arkansas, just outside of uh, uh, Conway, Arkansas, actually. What is it about the barbecue over there that makes it so much better than the rest of the country? Man, I um, hate to turn heel on you here, but uh, Arkansas barbecue is good, but I was always more, you know, I, I like Memphis barbecue, man. You know, <laughs> I'm from Arkansas originally. I love Arkansas. got my roots there. I started wrestling there, but uh, most of my grown up life was in Memphis and you can't beat Memphis barbecue. I mean, they got a whole barbecue fest for a week. <laughs> like you can't beat Memphis barbecue, bro. All right. Let, let me, let me tell you something. Midnight special. Okay. I thought you and I were going to get off on the right foot, but you, you just made the biggest mistake of your life right here by disrespecting Arkansas <laughs> barbecue. Okay. And then for the, you have the audacity <laughs> to say that Memphis barbecue is better. So here's, what's going to happen. I'm going to put a bounty on your head. All right. And for everybody out in Texas, especially if you're from Arkansas, I am going to give you a bag of nickels if you mess the midnight special up because this guy needs to understand he needs to be taught a lesson for disrespecting Arkansas barbecue. What do you think about that? Oh, man, you got to do all that. Now I got to worry about my, my partners from Arkansas. Like, tag part, I got to worry about that now. That's, that's not cool. Watch your back, midnight right, special. Okay, now listen, I, I'm, a, I'm a podcaster, so I'm not a tough guy. Notice how I said I'm not going to do it because you could definitely kick my ass, but I'm definitely going to pay somebody, probably your partner, to straighten you out until you get your act together about this Arkansas barbecue, bro. I mean, I hope you don't go in debt, bro. There's not too many people <laughs> that are going to be able to collect on that. <laughs> you know, you know what's fun about you, Midnight Special? Uh, you're a guy that is a natural on the mic. So, so even outside of your wrestling, you're, you're someone that the fans enjoy. Uh, especially when you're cutting a promo, what have you, where does that come from? I mean, does it run in the family that to, to be able to communicate with the general public as effectively as you've been able to do? I used to say no, that it was all me, but uh, my dad was a uh, Baptist preacher, Southern Baptist preacher growing up. And uh, I used to say, he used to say I was just like him. And of course, the typical, you know, teenager. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no, but no, he could get up there and man, do it the same. But, but instead of a arena full of wrestling fans, it was a church full of church people, <laughs> but he could do it, man. But uh, to answer your question on, I think I get most of it from my dad, but a lot of it is cliche as it sounds, man, a lot of promo time in the shower in front of the mirror, like from grade school up, I always knew I wanted to do this. So I would be in the show. If anytime there was me time in the shower, or anything like you'd hear my dad from the other room. Will you shut up? Cause it was nonstop. You know, something Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair. <laughs> when I get, you know, I just love, it's all I do to this day, promos, shower, mirror in the car on the drive to the gym, in the gym, in the locker room, in the gym, man, just promo, 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 promo. I love it. I love it. And, you know, that's a lesson for a lot of 
other wrestlers out there because I don't know what's been going on Midnight Special, but it seems like throughout the industry, the promo is something that has taken a step back. The quality is not the there like art. it used to be. Yeah, and, and so which for you is a great thing because when a guy like you comes around and is able to cut such a strong promo, you stand out. You stand out above most of your peers there, which is really, really cool. The other thing that I noticed, you're able to connect with the fans in a way that most wrestlers who are younger and who are just breaking into the industry like yourself, you, you kind of have a natural charisma with the fans. So, so I wonder about this. Were, were you somehow exposed to a lot of people at a young age? Because it's it's really interesting, the fact that you're just able to naturally be embraced and, and you're naturally able to go up to these strangers and kind of get them on your side. I mean, where does that come from? Man, it's a funny story. I love telling this story. Um, when I was in middle school, uh, we had a funny little backyard wrestling uh, get-together birthday party thing, right? And uh, we set up like a tournament with a bunch of the guys that come. And it was my, ma- my <laughs> quote-unquote match on the trampoline was up next. And the guy I was supposed to wrestle uh, twisted his ankle doing some skateboard tricks before we did it. And everybody at the party's like, oh, my gosh, Tyler, you're hurt. Oh, my goodness. And I found out at an early age that I have a, a, a knack for making people want to punch me in the face. Because while everybody else was worried about him, I was just like, well, I guess I go to the next round. Loser. <laughs> Way too much watching Shawn Michaels growing up. Way too much. What is it about Shawn Michaels that draws you to him so much? Because this is interesting that we've only been going for a couple of minutes now, and you've already mentioned him twice. Why Shawn Michaels? That's my hero. My my mom and dad separated when I was really young, and my dad had to work all the time. So I don't know if you're familiar with the old movie uh, Cable Guy with uh, Jim Carrey. Absolutely. Where he, uh, he watched. He watched so much TV by him that he was like raised by it. Well, that was kind of my thing, except my full-time dad, while my dad was working and providing for me was Shawn Michaels. And so so I had to develop this little interesting thing where I can sound like him and do all his mannerisms, which led to WrestleMania weekend in 2014, New Orleans. I won the superstar impersonation contest during fan access as the heartbreak kid, Sean Michaels. Oh, this is interesting. So do you, do you have video of that at all? Unfortunately, the only footage is like, they did a little kid's version and then they did all the adults. There's clip of them giving the prize to the little kids, the winner of the little kid group. And you see me in the background, but then the footage cuts and, yeah. So unfortunately, no, my big WrestleMania moment, there's no footage, but that was interesting. When The Rock talks about electricity, like there was maybe about a couple thousand people in that in that auditorium for the fan access. And when I did Sean's little split legged bicep pose, the whole building erupted and I've never felt it felt like my entire inside shook. And I was just like, whoa, this is what they're talking about. Like electricity. Like, I get it. I need this is that drug they talk about bottling up and becoming rich. I need this. That like, is so interesting, man. And how old were you at that time? Uh see, I'm 32 now. So I was about uh, 27, 28, getting wow. there, getting towards my 30s. 
Wow. So there you are doing your Shawn Michaels impersonation. Can you can you can you can you channel that right now? Can you give us a little Shawn Michaels oh, right it's now? Not. It's uh it's just a habit, you know. Some people don't know enough to know that they don't know enough to know, you know? It's just uh it's a it's a security blanket. Like uh when my grandmother died a few years ago, she wanted me to talk and I didn't want to talk. So to keep from crying and bawling like a baby. I just went up there and became Shawn Michaels. Like, ah, uh, you know, my grandmother, she uh, was my biggest fan. She said to, uh, when I'm sad here today, that the, the shell's here, but the nut's gone. <laughs> but <laughs> that, that is incredible. <laughs> We're talking to the midnight special from the Dog Pound Dojo legitimately one of the the most uh, beloved characters that's making his rounds. You know, he's starting to tear it up down there in the Texas scene. Really, really interesting guy here. What makes you the Midnight Special? Because that's a that's a very strong uh, name that you have there. That, that That's that's really, really interesting. And I know there have been tons of songs and movies and what have you uh, with some kind of variation of the Midnight Special. But what makes you personally the Midnight Special? I sound like the cliche, but I'm totally not everybody from their cousin says that they live for this business. They eat, sleep and breathe it. I actually did like no other. I didn't watch other stuff growing up. I didn't go out for the football team. All I thought about was wrestling 24, 7, 365. Like if I had a project theater class, high school had a project about a Pharaoh, a traveling man and a gatekeeper. Somehow I twisted all that up into the Pharaoh was the undertaker. <laughs> lights Incredible. music smoke everything uh, uh man uh so many times get, i got a rap sheet i still got it like printed out i got a rap sheet from my uh junior year of high school suspensions for you know dx crotch chops super kicking someone putting someone in the sharpshooter cutting promos on teachers like man School was my wrestling ring like they got peewee football peewee hockey they ain't got no peewee pro wrestling School. The second I hit those doors was my my Madison Square Garden. That is that is incredible. And and listen, there is such a so many people have said that Uh, there's a whole generation of people who got in trouble for doing the DX crotch chops in school. That was the thing to do and yelling out, suck it all over the place there so the fact that you kept your your school rap sheet uh all the times you got in trouble for that i mean listen that's when we know that you are hardcore you are the midnight special i love it i love it now you have a partner who is also an arkansas guy talk to us about the partner uh my partner is uh the highest quality partner you could ever ask for he is smoking Eric Bronson and collectively together we make the Midnight Blazers. (laughs) The Midnight Blazers. Okay, so so what's going on? Who are you feuding with right now and and why? We were uh, screwed out of the uh, first ever Dog Pound Tag Team Championships in the Teddy Long Classic last month when Mike Anthony and John O'Mari cheap shotted us. So, I mean, we got our eyes on them uh, this past Saturday at the pit, the Woodlawn Gym in San Antonio, we took two of the uh, younger puppy dogs from the Dog Pound Dojo uh, whiskey and blew the city boys. And we showed them that uh, their city ain't in our area code, you know. 
Oh boy. Okay. All right. You mean business here. We came out with that W and that's all that matters. <laughs> now the dog pound dojo. I mean, come on, we're talking about Rodney Mack. We're talking about jazz, literally wrestling royalty. Uh, the two of them there. What, what does it mean for you to, to be under the, the guidance under the learning tree of folks like Rodney Mack and jazz? Man, I might get a little emotional talking about this. Uh, I've been doing this for 13 years. Like, I started when I was 18. And my first half, like first 10 or so years, was in the Mid-South area, Arkansas, Mississippi, Tennessee. And I wasn't really treated so well. <laughs> like I wasn't liked. Uh, a lot of false promises. I'm not going to exp- uh, spill all the sour milk on here. But uh, it really wasn't what I wanted my wrestling experience to be. And I... Uh, my dad passed away January 2020 and I was done. I wasn't going to do it anymore. I uh, got rid of the gear that I had at that point. I stopped watching wrestling. I ate and drank and ate and drank and get blew up. I'm only five foot six now. And I blew up about 225 pounds and uh, yeah, I was done. And uh, I saw that I moved up with a buddy uh, who actually wrestles for Dog Pound Championship Wrestling's Ivan Warsaw. Uh, he's one of the guys that helped train me back in the day, and he moved me up, got me in the gym, got me back in shape, and we saw an ad for uh, a, a wrestling seminar with Jazz and Rodney Mack down in Irvin, Texas. And he, I didn't want to go because I didn't want to embarrass myself. I was like, no, I can't get in front of them. I've been, I ain't been in the ring in a year. I'm, I'm going to embarrass myself. And he drugged me kicking and screaming down to Irvin. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it was divine intervention, my dad looking out for me up there or whatever, but we do the seminar and we go sit down for the, for the, I guess the Q and a session of the seminar and Rodney Mack, in front of a group of like 50 people point me out specifically. and was like, come here, dog. Me? <laughs> I'm looking around like, me? Like, and he pulled me aside. They put me on the show they were doing that night. And uh, he's had my back ever since. And back in October, he called me and he goes, dog, stop messing around. We got you a place to stay. We'll have, we got you a spot in the dojo. Come down here and make this dream work. And man, this, I've been here since October and the knowledge and the help that him and Jazz have given me is I can't I can't even put it in articulate it. You never do it justice. Uh, these guys are phenomenal in the ring and out of the. They don't just teach you to be a great professional wrestler. That's that goes without saying. They teach you to be a great human being outside the ring. Like, Incredible. Incredible. From locker room etiquette, your appearance, like uh, your gym habits, uh, how you treat other people, how you interact with. Like they say, they don't care if you're a janitor. If you walk into a building, a janitor to people picking up trash, you treat absolutely every single person the second you get to a building with the utmost respect. And that's the, the biggest thing of the dojo. They don't just teach you to be a great professional wrestler. They teach you to be a great human being. Well, definitely shout out to Jazz and Rodney Mack. I mean, definitely two friends of the show and two people that uh, so close with them. I, I consider them family. Great, great folks. So I know exactly what you mean about teaching you about more than just wrestling, but it's all about if you respect yourself and you honor yourself, then you're able to respect and honor those around you. And when you, I'll I'll even go this far. I'll 
I'll even go this far with it. Like I've got the first 10 or 12 years of my wrestling. I got a lot of good memories and got to do a lot of fun stuff. But I even said this to Mike not too long ago, the, just the stuff I've, the little things I've picked up in my short time being down here. Uh, I didn't, I, I feel like I'm, I'm now I'm a professional wrestler. Like the first 10 years was fun, but it feels like, you know, like it was just kind of cosplay in it. And now it's us, man, my hat, my gym habits, the way my body's starting. I, I look better and feel better than I ever have in my life. Uh, yeah. I feel like a professional wrestler now. I'm getting booked on a regular basis. I'm getting paid well. Like, no more, oh, sorry about, sorry, dude, the house was low. Get all the nachos and hot dogs you want. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I could, I'm forever in their debt. Uh, very grateful for Jazz and Rodney Mack. And not just there, uh, Teddy Long, too, man. Teddy Long, very uh, integral part of my story. I love that guy. Shout out to the uh, Hall of Famer Teddy Long, player. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, I love Teddy. Love, Teddy. Listen to Teddy. I love you, player. That's right. Now just be careful because you might go one on one with the Undertaker. Okay, don't don't let him do that to you now. Ah, uh, you, you saw you saw that viral TikTok. That was about me. Undertaker retired because of me. He, he knew. <laughs> right. You know, I, I I grew up on Teddy Long, and and here in Boston, um. I was fortunate enough to have cable television very, very early. You know, my father was all into gadgets and stuff. So he always had the latest everything. So we had cable early. And what a lot of people don't realize is, is in the early 80s, pro wrestling was everywhere because it was cheap to put on TV. So, you know, for, for stations that were just popping up and what have you, trying to get going, everybody had a pro wrestling program that they were putting on. So even though in Boston we are a WWF, which is known as WWE now, or WWE territory, I was getting wrestling from all over, including the NWA. So I got to see Teddy Long when he first broke into the business and he was just a referee. And he had his jerry curl. Okay, so he still had hair, brother. He had his jerry curl flowing in the back. And then eventually he became a manager. He was managing everybody from from Sid Vicious and, and, and Big Danny Spivey, you know, the skyscrapers all the way to Doom, which was Ron Simmons and, and Butch Reed. I mean, Teddy Long has put in so much work in the wrestling industry, and I believe he started off just as a guy who was setting up the ring and doing things like that. So he's literally worked just about every job in wrestling as well. So he's literally able, done it all. Yeah, he has. He really has. He's so to be able to learn all. from him is just matches. tremendous. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. He's Teddy has wrestled matches. matches. He's literally done everything. He's right. even gotten married in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Had a heart attack, I believe. Too. Yes. <laughs> well, shout out to Teddy. Shout he out got to kidnapped to, by the Undertaker. In a that's way. right. That's right. Shout out to Teddy. Shout out to, to Rodney. Shout out to Jazz. Just great, great folks. So no wonder you're the Midnight Special. You, you, you got some great uh, support behind you there. Um, why don't you let everybody know what, what's the best way that they can catch you and the rest of your peers over there at the, the dog pound dojo and what have you? Cause I know that you guys have some events coming up real soon, right? Yes, we do. Well, the easiest way to catch all these events, if you can't be there in person, 
Go to your uh, Android uh, Google Play Store, your Apple iPhone Store, and download the TSW Plus app to get all your Dog Pound Championship Wrestling action, as well as the action from the fastest rising company in professional wrestling today, Texas Style Wrestling. Um, as far as our events coming up, um, me and Rodney Mack and a few other Dog Pound Dojo guys, we're going to be in Bentonville, Arkansas on March the 12th for the inaugural event for Ozark Mountain Wrestling. Uh, Rodney Max in the main event that night against uh, Ivan Warsaw. You might have heard of that guy. Um, after that, we got Castroville, Texas on March the 25th. The following night, we'll have Dog Pound Championship Wrestling back at the historic Woodlawn Gym, a.k.a. The Pit, March 26th for uh, March Madness. And we got The Boogeyman will be there this this time, live and in person, the boogeyman. And, of course, uh, the, uh, after that, we got WrestleMania weekend, April 1st. Uh, that, that'll be a TSW show. But like I said, uh, everything we do, TSW plus app. So go download. Man, man you, that's a, it's a, it's, I don't know why you wouldn't want that app. It's, you don't beat Texas wrestling. There, there's just something about Texas-style wrestling, you know? Well said. Well said. Midnight Special, let everybody know the best way that they can keep up with you personally. How can they follow you online? Yes, sir. I am on Instagram at midnight underscore special 89. And you can find my fan page on Facebook at the Midnight Special DJ Michaels. Yes, sir. Great stuff. Great stuff. Now, listen, before I let you go. Come on, man. I mean, you, you, you disrespected Arkansas barbecue. Is there any food in Arkansas? that you can recommend for anyone passing through what's the best food in Arkansas that's better than anywhere else in the world, man. Um, I think the best food you can get in Arkansas is if you get a really, and you tip them well, get a door dasher to just go over the border and bring you some Memphis barbecue. And I think you'd be all right. <laughs> and that is not a nose growing Pinocchio promise. My friend that, is a midnight special guarantee. <laughs> Great conversation there with the midnight special. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, this, this guy could really mess me up. So here I am talking tough, and I can do that when I'm all the way in Boston and he's down there in Texas. But make no mistake about it. If we were in the same room, I would fix my attitude real quick because this dude is tough. Okay. But I'm still a little disappointed about the fact that he disrespected Arkansas barbecue. That's just not cool. It's not cool. Anyway. Definitely check out, you know, I'll, I'll put all the information out there. You can check him out. Check out the Dog Pound Dojo. Definitely get the app. Keep up to date with what those folks have going on. It's just good stuff. Good stuff. Duke Loves Wrestling at gmail.com. Duke Loves Wrestling on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, you name it. Follow the hashtag. Follow the, the name. You know, wherever you're listening to the show, give me a five-star rating. Give me a rating. Give me a follow. Make sure that uh, you're doing that much for me, please, so we can continue to deliver some of the top-notch conversations that we do every week. You know, that's what we're here for, man. Coming up on the six-year anniversary, and I'm I'm just so <laughs> invigorated and, and pleased with the support that we get from all of you out there and through the years. It's so fantastic, and I got some great guests lined up, you know, um, I'm very deliberate and very serious about having 
the voices that you don't normally hear out there, you know, women and women of color and, and, and LGBTQ plus and you, and you name it, just, you can expect that, especially this, this next year coming up, it's going to be even more going to turn the heat up even more and just hear more from people that you don't normally hear from more indie wrestlers that you need to know about. Um, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. You know, do I, do I want to, interview the rock and and Sasha Banks every week. Sure. That's great. But at the same time, I think it's important for us to show as much of the community as possible, whether it's the wrestlers or others, the promoters, whether it's the fans, whether it's other content creators, let's continue to show how diverse and how vast our wrestling community is. Right. So if, if you want to, continue to explore that and continue to hear the diversity within the community. Keep checking in with Duke loves wrestling because I'm good for that much. (laughs) With that said, be kind to yourselves, be kind to others. Take it away. Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone and we're definitely out of time on Duke loves wrestling. 